I'm good, good. And how are you? I'm good, thanks. Glad it's okay. the weekend. Okay, great. Um, the weekend so far on my side is fine. And we're having a bit of a great weather this side. And how's the weather that side? Uh, no, the weather is here very warm today. Uh, we just started summer here in England, so it's nice and warm. But I believe it's cold back in, in South Africa now. Yes, it is the beginning of winter. Winter. You, you just in England, where exactly in England? Uh, it's a province called Hertfordshire, so it's just outside of London. Okay, interesting. That's great. And yourself? Uh, I'm in South Africa in the Eastern Cape, um, okay. a town called Port Elizabeth, which is now known as Padeja. Oh yes, I I heard PE's name got changed. Yes, yes it's changed okay. to now. Okay, uh, I'm I'm happy that I can connect with you. Uh, from the UK while I'm on this side. Uh, let's thank the internet and its people. <laughs> oh, no, that's for sure. That's for sure. I mean, it's changed everything in the last year, hasn't it? Everything is virtual. Everything is online now. You can talk to anyone, anywhere. So it's great. Yeah, which is, uh, I think that's the other positive side about the challenges we got to uh, through the pandemic. Uh, I know lots of people lost jobs and there were so many deaths, but um, in a way, in terms of internet and exposure, that's uh, a bit of a great side. I'm sure you can agree with me, especially you uh, on the IT field. No, it's the truth. I mean, it's definitely brought a lot of, of sadness, the pandemic, but uh, it's also connected people in a much easier way and give them access in a, in a much better way. So yeah, that's the truth, eh? That's the truth. Yeah. Okay, let's get to it. Uh, I know you, Ingrid, uh, for, for someone out there who doesn't know uh, who you are and where exactly you were born and currently living, uh, maybe just briefly, briefly give us that background. Sure. So yeah, I was born in South Africa. Um, but our family relocated to Zimbabwe. So the first half of my life, I grew up in Zimbabwe. And when things started to go uh, bad in Zimbabwe, my stepdad was living in Botswana and eventually the family decided to move back to South Africa. So I came to South Africa, um, I think it was just before my 16th birthday. And I lived there for a couple of years before I got married and, and moved to the UK. Um, so yeah, uh, half my life in Zim, half my life in South Africa. And yeah, mm. now I'm, I'm living in the UK and I'm working here with my mm. husband as well. That's, that's very interesting background. Um, maybe, maybe before we get to what you are currently doing in UK, just yeah. take us back about the life in Zimbabwe. How was growing up in Zimbabwe? Um, so, growing up in Zimbabwe, I can say generally uh, we had good childhoods. There were there were challenges with growing up in Zim. You know, mm. not just like the economical side, um, but yeah. with 
with things like not having access to electricity sometimes not having access to water sometimes i mean that's a lot of people went through that growing up in yeah. zim but there were, there were other challenges in zim i don't know how deep you want me to go this sunday <laughs> afternoon um but there were other there were other challenges in zim um uh, for me personally mainly around uh, physical abuse from different people yeah. um, which I, which i didn't tell anybody about until now i guess and um after we we left them you know i kind of still kept that to myself but generally yeah. i'd say like you know any challenges you would have as a kid growing up with a going to school peer pressure yeah. bullying but yeah i think the worst would have probably was probably that um yeah. physical abuse that i kept to myself yeah but uh now that you you mentioned it uh maybe just a bit of that uh of that page to to highlight because currently uh, our, our whole world is faced with uh something called uh gender based uh, violence and also sometimes it goes to as far as uh especially for women they get to be sexually violated uh by people that they trust maybe just go a bit um just try to to explain more about your challenges uh in terms of uh the life you grew up in Zimbabwe. Yeah, so I I, I didn't experience um domestic violence in our own home. I I more experienced domestic violence from friends uh or from friends family. Um yeah. At home, you know, there was a, a, a man called Otis. I, I talk about him a bit in the book, who helped uh, look after our, our property that we were living on, and he really took advantage of me. Um, I had some friends, uh, and and they peer pressured me into doing a lot of stupid things. And it was my friend's brother um, that uh, physically abused me the first time. Mm. Um, and after that you know it, it was things that i didn't realize were physical abuse because i was so young and so naive i didn't even know in some cases what they were doing to me was wrong like uh so it was afterwards you know i felt very stupid not knowing like once i figured out what was happening to me but at the time it it wasn't thankfully it wasn't family but yeah it it still definitely happened with the people that i i knew that i put Yeah, that's that's the sad part of it. It might not be family, but it's people because people like friends, uh, someone who's a friend of a friend of your brother, you automatically take that person as one of yours. Uh, yes. You can always treat that person to as close as family. And it's always said that that women get to those sad situations whereby people get to physically uh, abuse them. Uh, but uh, what I love and respect about you is that uh, throughout the years you, you you had that pain with you. It must have been difficult, but uh, you have found now a ground whereby you started to sit down and open yeah. up about such situations through your book. Maybe yeah. uh, before, before also I go to ask you about your book, I know from Zimbabwe you had... Um, migrated to to the UK maybe let, let's start about the challenges you face when you got to UK before we speak about uh, your actual book 
<laughs> sure. Um, wow, there were a number of challenges just getting here. Um, yeah. So before we even arrived, uh, you had to get a, a visa, obviously, to be able yeah, to right. work and live here. So even though my husband is is British, I still had to get a visa. And the first time they rejected me after we paid them thirty thousand rand. That was the cost of the mm. visa, and they rejected mm. me because they said I didn't fulfill the English language requirement. So I needed to prove that I could speak English, even though I did my diplomas in English. I grew up speaking yeah. English. So after that, we paid that money again and applied again, and I had to do an English test. Uh, by that time, my husband had left, so I stayed behind uh, with my mom and uh, my sisters. Uh, over over in South Africa, and yeah. eventually they they approved the visa and I went. Um, but arriving, you know, it's exciting when you get to a new place, you explore and stuff. But yes, yes. when you start to now say, okay, like I need to start looking for work. You know, even though I, I've come with skills, I've come with an education, it's just not as simple to get work over here. Like it's so challenging, even to get your face in front of someone for an interview because you're competing with so many people for the same job. And yeah, it's not like there's BEE over here to try and help you, you know, get ahead, try and give you that step up. Yeah, uh, no, there's nothing like that. So wow. it was it was very challenging to to get work. So I initially for like the first six months I didn't work at all. And yes. when I started looking for jobs, I wasn't getting any of the IT jobs that uh, I was expecting to. I actually had to start off in a call center because mm. they were the only kinds of jobs that they weren't, you know, hard to get. So I started working in a call center first, and I was working in a call center for uh, about a year before yeah. I finally got a, a job in IT. Which, which I was supposed to be doing. So it, that was probably the biggest challenge. And then there's the other things like meeting new people, figuring out, you know, yeah. what, what you can say, what you can't say. People are different. You know, if yeah. you try and say hi to someone on a train over here, they look at you like you're mad. You know, all sorts of strange things about, you know, integrating different cultures and that. So, wow. but that's to expected. That's to be expected when when you move to a new place, right? Yes, it's never yeah, as was, easy. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm surprised when when you said you you also had challenges at the beginning, uh, while you had to do your English assessment for them to approve, uh, yes. because uh, I'm not sure I can say in, in South Africa, but. Uh, in my circle, what I know is when we when we uh, look and listen to people from Zimbabwe, we always say they have the best English ever. <laughs> um, now, when when you are saying you had a you had a challenge with your English, there it really must have been really challenging because I always thought Zimbabweans have the the best English ever. But yeah, you know, it's not even that like. So what what I did was to to prove that I could speak English. I gave them my diploma, and I said, "You mm. see, I I studied my diploma in English, and I passed it in English with a distinction." They came back and they said, "A diploma is not good enough. You need to show us a degree 
or you need to show us an official English test that you do with the school. Sure. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to get a degree now, so that's not an option. So I went to go and find out about a proper English test. You will not believe the English test. When I got there, it was a, I think it was a thousand rand for the test. For 15 minutes, they asked me, so where do you live? Or wow. uh, what is your family like? What sports do you like playing? I have a conversation for, with this person and this person about activities you like doing. And that was the English test. Can you believe it? Sure. <laughs> okay. Wow. Really, really, I, I can now understand. For me personally, I have never been out of South Africa. Now I'm starting to understand also the challenges people face when they are getting to be exposed to a new country. Uh, but I'm glad that as a woman, you you have made it possible for you to to just stand your ground and make sure you you do what they say so that yes. you can be able to be with your your, your husband. Yes, I'm, it's so frustrating, like you're trying to do things the right way and the legal way. And these are the kinds of, of challenges that you get. Where other people who come maybe on like a, a tourist visa and then stay illegally, they don't have those kinds of challenges. They don't pay for expensive visas. So it's, it's sometimes it's quite frustrating. You're like, I'm trying to be a good person, follow the rules. Yeah do what's right and you're making my life so hard just to be with my husband who's already gone it was unbelievable cheers i'm (laughs) glad you highlighted that because really um different countries including south africa we have a challenge of people who are in the country illegally but then if there are so unnecessary processes that people have to go through when are trying to come in legally (laughs) then it makes sense why people are, are trying to, to be there in illegal yes. ways. Yes, yeah. it absolutely makes sense. You know, like over here, they complain a lot about uh, refugees from Syria coming over the English Channel from Morocco and, and those countries, yeah. you know, risking drowning in the ocean, coming on these small boats. And you're like, but if they try and get asylum or try and get refugee status the right way, it's very, very difficult and very challenging. So you, you see why they start, you know, taking those risks with their lives and with their children's lives, because it's like there's no other option. And if you don't have money, then you're, you're stuck, you're trapped. Jeez, man. Oh, okay. Uh, thank you so much for, for breaking <laughs> that down, uh, Ingrid. Uh, let, let's, let's move a bit. Um, so getting to, to Kinky Roots, your, your book, um, yeah. before we go a bit deep on it, you mentioned that it began after a show you watched on TV. What show yeah. was that? What was it about? It was, uh, you know, those uh, like police cop shows like CSI or yes, NCIS yes. where they solve a crime. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this particular show, it was NCIS. Uh, and it's basically like military police solving crimes that are done by other military personnel. And uh, the main character is this agent called uh, Agent Kipps. But his team, there's one one guy that I related to quite closely because he was like a techie, a bit of a geek. And okay. he was the one that decided to start writing a book. And when he said, you know, I'm going to write a book about you, 
uh, talking to his boss. That's when the idea came to me, and I ran upstairs and I'm like, "This is what I'm going to do with my time. Since I can't get work, let me sit down and try and write a book." Yes. It was literally out of nowhere. I wish the story was even more inspiring, but it was literally just watching those TV shows because I wasn't working, and this one agent who I related to saying, "You know what?" I've decided I'm going to write a book, and that's when that's when I started looking into it. That's that's so interesting that uh, something that you watched on TV inspired you to start because. Remember you you were unemployed and yeah. currently I'm sure you are making incentives through that book that you started in that moment. <laughs> no, definitely. Definitely. It's just it was just weird how it happened because it's not like I was on a walk in a beautiful place and all of a sudden I felt this okay. urge to write a book. There was nothing like that. It was just a guy on TV that said it and then I'm like, oh, "Okay, let me also try." <laughs> Yeah, that that's so wonderful, and and it's very rare. Uh, not that it's rare, but discouraging for a person who's unemployed to even start thinking of doing any great thing out there because you're mostly focusing on trying to get a job. How can I get a job? I, how can I get someone to connect me to an opportunity? But you were able in that actual situation to change your actual situation uh to make it work for you i really respect you for that uh thanks i mean i did have support from my husband at least he had a job when he came over so that yeah. made things a bit easier um but yeah initially when i started writing it i didn't write it with the intention to publish at all i was just i was writing it for myself for something to do to keep me busy and yeah. only years later probably about 2 years later my husband said you know have you tested to see if this could be something that can sell in bookshops and i'm like no i've never thought about such things you know what will my mom think about reading it and my dad and my stepdad and you're like you all of the things i've put in this book so yeah initially i wasn't going to publish it but only after my husband said you know see what they say like if an editor or one of these publishers thinks it's worthwhile then you should pursue yeah. it so yeah, that's how it ended up happening oh that's great uh, it's always good to have a partner who, <laughs> who encourages what you do and always try to make you try to explore things because hey. here you are now with your book uh, everyone all over the world trying to understand why kinky roots why kinky roots i mean i couldn't have done it without his support that's for sure cuz he could have been pushing me pushing me saying none of this writing nonsense go find work go do whatever you need to do to get money exactly uh, but eventually it all worked out thankfully i'm glad i'm glad now now tell me you you said also when you wrote it you didn't plan to publish it and i'm sure in a way uh that process did some kind of healing within you while you were putting down all that information now when you started to say to your to your husband okay i agree i'm going to find a publisher and then uh let the world know about this book how did you feel about the people you have mentioned that have kind of abused you on your on, on your growing up how did you feel about maybe the message the book gets to their head 
Um, yeah, there was a lot of, of difficult like processing uh, around that element. Um, but in terms of, of the people themselves seeing it, uh, initially I wasn't actually worried about it because I made sure I anonymized people's names and, and yes. their details. Um, so I, I didn't call out anybody and a lot of what happened back then, you know, I, I have no intention of trying to rehash it in court or try and get somebody into trouble now, I've dealt with it and I've yeah. moved on with it. Um, the main worry was my family and what mm. they would, because I hadn't told any of them anything, not even my mom. So wow. when when they when we got to the publishing phase and it was a, like I was about to release it, I had to have those conversations now and to say, "Mom, I've written a book, and there's things in there that you don't know." And she was like, "Okay, tell me." And this was all over the phone because I was already in England at the time, and then I had yeah. to start telling her these details, these things that happened that I hadn't told her. And it took her time as well to kind of process it because you can imagine you're finding out all of these things that happened to your child that you didn't know. Mm. There were all sorts of feelings around it. But that was yes. the hard part. And you know, some of the family didn't take it well at all. Some people are still not talking to me today because of, of this book. So that's probably been the hardest part is with the people I know and them mm. finding out what happened yeah wow uh that that's seriously a very brave step you took about making sure you get the book out there and also yeah. it's understandable that some of your family members are still feeling angry uh mm. and also uh your mom surely didn't just us right on the spot but uh, uh yeah. i hope and they understand that you were coming from a good place you couldn't say yeah. it back then you are saying it now and you have your own reason why you are doing it now i mean everyone that's reasonable uh has has now gotten to a place that you know it's your story it's the truth of what happened to you um, exactly. and we support you um but it's still it's not the same for every family member there's some family members that feel like I've brought shame on the family name by by telling this story to people. They feel like I've shamed them as my like my uncles and aunties, I've shamed them. And I'm like, but that's not what this is about anymore. It's about it's no longer about me. I'm now okay yeah. to to talk about it and maybe and as I've seen over the last few months, it can help somebody else who's struggling with elements or maybe who's struggling with immigrating or you know any any of those things i've experienced and maybe it can help them uh, but that's still it hasn't helped some family yeah um, but the people closest to me are, are now in a space where they they can talk about it and you know we can move forward they've they've had their period of adjustment and felt all the yeah. things they need to feel so yeah it's, it's a process and it's a risk wow. you take if you're going to put your stuff out there, right? That's, that's true. That's a very uh, brave move from you. And I really respect uh, and love you for that, Ingrid, because really there's a girl out there who can't deal with their issues and 
when they get to bump to your story it helps them also to look back and try to find a way to break out of that uh, of that pit where they feel like uh, they have stories that they can't say and yeah. i'm sure through through getting to know your story uh, people are healing people are, are get to understand there's a better way of dealing with these things and it's yeah. always said that not not everyone will 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 find it uh as a good thing to do but i'm glad that you personally and you have your husband who has agreed that is a great move that you have made that move i uh, know thanks for that it's all like in hopeful and yeah. you know some of the feedback i've gotten you know it, i can see that it's impacting some people i mean it's yeah. not going to be for everyone they exactly. but you know there's there's all sorts of things that are that are in there that hopefully can even if you just decide maybe to not to speak to your family but speak to someone that that will be the best thing ever and with my husband you know i obviously had to to talk to him about it because i'm like what do what do we keep in here what do we take out because mm. we still have to we still have to talk to our family like how much details do we put in our lives of our lives in here but, and you know we kind of had to figure that out so everything yeah. that's in there about my husband about his addiction about his family is agreed wow. to that but there's also some things that we've we've left out <laughs> <laughs> wow uh that's great uh thank you so much for 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 taking us uh through that journey uh about yourself and your book and all these challenges you faced uh through through you deciding to put your book out there uh let's let's continue a bit um since you are a person that writes that writes currently should we expect any second book maybe Oh <laughs> uh, gosh, I, I can't say that right now. Um, okay. N- not right now. But you know, I think a lot of it will, will depend on the feedback I get from people. If there's yeah. things they feel I should explore more uh, yes. or questions that they want answered, you know, then potentially uh, I can look at that. Um but That's, yeah I think we will gauge the response from from the public first and see what they say. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that's understandable that's understandable. Now tell me about about your pathway uh from being unemployed to call center and now you are finally in the field that you have studied for which is IT. Um yeah. how is it to to being a female in the IT industry in the uh I I won't say it's challenging anymore okay um, but I'm still the only female in my immediate team of uh, 10 men I'm also sure. the only black person in my team of 10 men wow. um so that element you know so over here it's not it's no longer just being a woman because mm. you know the majority of people here are white so um that that's interesting the dynamics are interesting but i can't say they're challenging anymore yeah. uh, initially yeah. i used to be really worried about being the only woman in the room 
um, but there was a saying, I don't know if you know Maya Angelou, she said uh, her mom had told her, if you yes. ever worried about being in a room by yourself and you're the only woman, remember you're standing there for 10,000 other women and for the women that came before you and for the women that are coming after you. And that yes. was like, yeah, I don't mind. I'll be the only woman in the room. I don't care. You just do your job. You know, do wow, what you have I'm to glad. do and get on with it. Yes, I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, I'm familiar with that quote from my Angelo, and yeah. yes, that's very much true. And I'm glad that you you are brave and strong enough to to be yourself and make things happen. I mean, it's very rare that you you get women in those spaces. I think also in South Africa, it's still a challenge which yeah. is growing a bit better that you find women are growing in the IT industry. I really respect that you are there and you are you are not only there for you, but you are there representing uh, lots of other women from the whole world that yes. are taking spaces like IT and other fields. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, back home it was even better because like when when I was still working there, there were other women in in our technical teams. You know, it wasn't as rare to see someone. Unlike here, it's so you can go to a conference and you'll only see two or three other women at the conference, and you're like, what is this? This is unbelievable. Sure. So there's definitely some some room for growth there, but absolutely, you know, for those. For those in IT, you just have to stand there and be like, yes, I'm here. Anyone wants to come, come. I'll help you. I'll show you. Let's do it. That's clear. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, 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 before I ask you uh, my last question, just tell me which uh, South African language do you speak and understand? You know, I can barely speak a lot of these South African languages. Like, okay. I understand... <laughs> A little bit of Afrikaans. Um, okay. I understand a little bit of Isuzu, but to try okay. and speak it back is, yeah. No. Okay. I wasn't able to learn any of them really well, but I can speak Shona uh, quite well, which is the the language in, in Zim. Um, yes. But that was one of yeah. the biggest the biggest things when I moved to South Africa. People didn't believe me that I couldn't speak any of the languages. They'll be like, why? What do you mean you I mean, can't speak any language? <laughs> definitely, because I mean you can, your clicks in terms of uh, pronouncing Jola, it sounds very African, it's South, South African. It's not like you're having any challenges. I can understand those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I didn't have enough time to, to learn any of those languages. So even though I came quite early, um, yeah. like you, you, you go straight into work, you know, at work we were speaking English. There was no, there was no vernac unless you, you had other friends speaking, you know, in other languages. And then it was, so which one do I learn? Do I learn Zulu? Do I learn Sutu? Do I learn Kosa? You know, and then yeah. it, it was so overwhelming. So I just picked up little little bits and pieces from different languages. Uh, but yeah. I can't say I'm fluent in any of them. Like proper, no. proper fluent. You? Okay, I wish I was. <laughs> no, that's that's not a problem. Um, let me go to my last question then. Uh, I know there's there's a young girl out there uh, who will also like into 
step into that field, the IT industry especially, what would you maybe advise her? I think, you know, the, the first thing is to not be daunted by the IT industry. Like people think, oh, you've got to be, you know, very good at, I don't know, math or very good at science. Like don't be daunted by it. And also it's such a broad industry. There's so many things you can go into, you know, not just, you know, IT support. You know, there's things nowadays like robotics, artificial intelligence, there's software development, there's so many things. So, you know, don't be daunted by it. Do the research and see, you know, what you're interested in, see what you might like and pursue it. There's there's lots of internships out there, lots of different courses out there. And yeah, just go for it. And you know, like if you if you're worried about it, I know there are a lot of people that, you know, will will guide you in terms of figuring out what career path to take. You know, I had a lot of help from different mentors as I was um you know, growing through my career. There were lots of women that I looked up to that, you know, helped guide me in certain places. So, you know, if if you're ever worried about it, you know, speak to someone who's already doing it. I'm sure any any woman out there that is already doing it will be happy to help. Um, But yeah, don't don't be overwhelmed. Just just go for it. Okay, uh, thank you, thank you so much, Ingrid, and thank you for making time for us, and thank you for your inspiring journey, and all the best with your book, Kinky Roots, and I'm looking forward to hear from you again, maybe in six months or a year, just to, to tell us how are things and everything. And also, please say thank you to your husband for being the best husband who manages to be next to you and take you through that journey. Uh, thank you so much. Any last words from your side? Uh, you know, Paula, I, I need to thank you as well. Um, for for taking time to speak to me and for featuring me in WhatsApp Mag, um, it's great. You know that you you, you took a, a leap with me. You know, not everybody gives you a chance out there. So I really really appreciate what you're doing uh, with WhatsApp Mag and for having me on your podcast. I'm so so grateful. And yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to talk to you whenever. I'll make time for you whenever. Just let me know. Okay, great. Thank you so much then, Ingrid. Okay, this is where we're wrapping up our conversation. Uh, see you next time and cheers. Thanks a lot, Take care. Bye. Bye.